0: There'll be just four boys holding over this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I know a couple of these reprobates. Let's be a little more elastic in our assessment, shall we? It's hard enough for them to be away from home on the holidays. Latitude is the last thing these boys need. Paul, at your core, you're an excellent teacher. But your approach to the students is rather traditional. The school was founded in 1797. I thought tradition was our stock and trade. Then let's call it hidebound. Ah. You know, unwavering, (laughs) resistant to... Yes, 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 I know what hidebound means. Uh, I get it. You're still angry that I failed Jordan Osgood? Senator Osgood was very upset when Princeton rescinded Jordan's acceptance. Yes, and I've continued to have to deal with the fallout. Hardy, are we really supposed to let these boys just skate by as long as daddy builds a new gymnasium? Of course not. That's not who we are. But we can't be ignorant of politics. That boy is a genuine troglodyte. Paul, he was a legacy and the son of one of our biggest donors. Ever think his dad might be expecting a little consideration for his dollar? And he got it, a first-class education for his son. Oh, come on, Hardy. As Dr. Green used to say, our one true purpose Is to produce young men of good character. I don't care what Dr. And we cannot sacrifice our integrity on the altar of their entitlement.
1: This is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from the movie and I know you guys are used to me using all these old movies, but this one was the called The Holdovers. This was, uh, uh, just came out the end of end of last year uh, with Paul Giamatti. It's really a good movie. It's really a good movie. Um, you know what, he's, he's a teacher at a boys school and he's uh, dealing with the with the kids that don't, that can't go home over the holidays. And, uh, so they're the holdovers. And you know what I, I liked, I was watching it last night for the second time. And I go, you know, I like that part. It says, Hey, we can't sacrifice our integrity on the altar of their entitlement. You know what? No, but we can't, we can't be, we can't be, uh, we have to be conscious of the politics, you know, cause his dad, the Senator is, uh, built us a new gym no, you. This is this is the this is the way kids are now. If you're rich, if you're rich, daddy buys you buys your way into uh, to whatever you're getting into. buys your buys your grades. You don't have the smarts. You didn't earn the grades, but he buys your way in. So the people just uh, you know pay some money and and you get whatever you want. Kind of like how what happens in our politics. You know what? Hey, you know what? If we need we need the law, these laws to be passed so that we can uh, profit from them. So we just make sure the lobbyists give money through the back door to our politicians, and they vote the way that they don't vote with character. They vote with their wallets, and it's uh, it's sad for the future of this country for sure. That song was uh, "Firefall," headed for the fall. Headed for a fall, and uh, that was uh, that was in honor of uh, Nikki Haley. The South Carolina uh, primary is Saturday, and uh, here's where the here's where the uh, and realize that South Carolina is Nikki Haley's home state, and realized that she was a two-term governor there, and uh, and still, Trump's leading 63% to 35% in the latest in the latest poll, and despite this, Nikki Haley is still staying in the race.
2: Some of you. Perhaps a few of you in the media came here today to see if I'm dropping out of the race. Well, I'm not, and I'm here to tell you why. I'm running for president because we have a country to save. Since the start of my campaign, I've been focused on the real issues our country faces. The ones that determine whether America will thrive or spiral out. But instead of focusing on how to make America stronger tomorrow, Some people want to know if I'm going to cave today. We've all heard the calls for me to drop out. We all know where they're coming from, the political elite, the party bosses, the cheerleaders in the commentator world. The argument is familiar. They say I haven't won a state, that my path to victory is slim. They point to the primary polls and say I'm only delaying the inevitable. Why keep fighting when the battle was apparently over after Iowa? South Carolina will vote on Saturday, but on Sunday, I'll still be running for president.
1: Well, she'll still be running for president until her money runs out. And uh, you know, hey, I understand if she's still got money, she should still keep fighting. This is uh, South Carolina will only be the the uh, fourth state to to vote. Yeah, the fourth state to vote and uh and there's a lot more to go but the voters are telling her she doesn't have a chance and nothing's nothing's been very close it's just a money thing costs a lot of money to campaign to pay all those people you got to campaign across 50 states you have to uh be paying for commercials you got to be paying your staff you've got to pay for uh, venues to hold your rallies or your uh, or your small uh, small groups here's Trump's response to what she just said You're not supposed to lose
3: your home state. Shouldn't happen anyway. And she's losing it big, big. I mean, really, uh, I said big Lee and big
1: Lee. (laughs) She's losing it big Lee. Trump also in this uh, town hall that we're going to use clips from throughout the show. uh, Trump also commented here about her money supply and that he thinks that Democrats are, uh, are donating her to keep her in the race. So it's. I hadn't thought about that, but you you remember how the Democrats, some of the Democrats, uh, changed parties in uh, Iowa or, or New Hampshire, in uh, in New Hampshire, so they could vote, so they could vote for Nikki Haley. Hey, let's just change our uh, our uh, our voter registration so we can go in and try to beat try to beat Trump, and uh, mostly why why that primary was so close but um you know that's why i use that headed for a fall because nikki haley's headed for a fall and they can keep putting in money putting in money but clearly clearly the democrats are scared of their money tree drying up um and trump is the guy who will make all the corruption go away uh to the best that anybody can do it in one term but um that's what's happening. That's what's happening. So anyway, I'm gonna talk about everything else that's going on in this country and try to give you some clarity and some uh, and some uh, insight. And on what I think of it, but before I do, let me introduce myself for those that don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage Corporation. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me to talk about real estate or finance, but you don't want to talk on the phone... Uh, Cause you know you don't want to you don't want to say stuff out loud that your coworkers will hear, or you don't want to, uh, or you don't, you know, it's just so personal. If I hear your, hear your, uh, hear your voice, uh, go to edhoffman.net, Click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, that'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much you want back, and uh, we will. Uh, you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you want anything on the show repeated or if you missed the show one one week and you want to hear it, you can stay on edhoffman.net and click on the podcast page here. This show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free. And uh, I record on Friday mornings and it'll upload Friday afternoon and download to your device shortly thereafter. And you can listen to it whenever it's convenient for you. Um if you can't hear if you can't always hear the show on the radio, that's the easiest way to get it. If you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, so let's talk about what's going on. So it's been a week since the New York New York State Justice Arthur F. Ingoron, I call him Ingmoron, uh, handed handed Donald Trump a crushing defeat in his civil fraud case. Ingmoron found Trump liable for conspiring to manipulate his net worth despite the fact that all parties made money and there was no victim. And uh, how is that even possible in a civil trial? And again, how does the the attorney general or the government at all file lawsuits in a civil trial? And if there's and if there's no damages, where's all that money go to? He then ordered Trump to pay a penalty of $355 million in an apparent attempt to wipe out Trump's entire stockpile of cash and threaten his business empire. All while he continues fighting for criminal prosecutions and campaigning to regain the presidency. Clearly, this guy th- thinks that this is this will destroy Trump and uh, just proves that he doesn't he doesn't know jack about business. So uh, which I'll explain as we go. Uh, he also bar, bars Trump from serving in top roles at any New York company for three years, including portions of his own Trump Organization. How is this legal? When people are out there running running their uh, their corporations from jail, I can tell you, I worked for a company called American Builders Mortgage, and uh, and while I was there, um, somebody came up and said, "You know the the guy who owns that company is in jail," and I go, "Who? The president of the company's?" Uh, uh, a lady named Debbie McCarran and she go, you go well, the, she's the, she's the guy's, the guy's daughter, the guy who really runs it is Bob Hernandez. And he's in, he was in federal prison in Boron at the time. And, uh, and from what I've talked to people, you know, Boron federal, the federal, uh, is like, uh, is like a uh, graduate school for white collar criminals. Um, and, and when he got out of jail, I realized that that was the case, but you know, you can remember, uh, uh, these these mob bosses that are in jail uh, running their organizations. And you remember Martha Stewart. She was running her organization from jail. So in addition to not being able to run his own company, it imposes a two-year ban on both Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, both of whom are ordered to pay more than $4 million. For what? Because they sign things that on financial statements? Does anyone think that either Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr., or Eric Eric Trump produced the financial statements. I can tell you when I had uh my company wholesale capital and we had a net worth of about uh five, five to ten million dollars, uh depending on the the particular financial statement each year. And uh and my financial statements were like half an inch thick. And I paid someone who I paid someone like uh, twenty five thousand dollars a year to produce the ta- the financial statements and um, and file the taxes. And for the most part, I would thumb through the things and just look and see where my net worth was. And of course, look at the tax return and see how much of a check I had to se- I had to pay. But does anybody think that anyone could could uh, per- anyone any of the Trump family could actually produce a financial statement for a company that big? much less, much less, you know, uh, you know. I'm probably even one person could do it, even two people. I bet you he's got a whole team of, of CPAs that put those things together. In addition to uh, into the, the Trump boys getting having to pay $4 million, it also extends for three years the appointment of an independent monitor to be the court's eyes and ears of the Trump organization. This monitor, U.S. District Judge Barbara Jones from the Southern District of New York, has already been appointed – to monitor the Trump organization since 2022, after the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case opened, after Judge Ingerin's ruling last week, she now has total oversight power to flag any transactions that look suspicious or fraudulent. Now, I've heard of uh, of parents that are allegedly a uh, uh, a potential danger to their children, having to have supervised visits with their kids, you know, they're going through divorce and they, they say, Hey, uh, you can have supervised visits, uh, you know, every weekend for four hours or something. And I can, but you know, but this, wait, we're going to, we're going to assign someone to watch every transaction in your business. How much is that costing? Cause you got to put someone who knows who actually knows what they're looking at on these transactions and finally, Ingram ordered Trump to pay a substantial interest, which uh, pushes the penalty close to $450 million. From the New York Times, Trump fraud penalty will exceed $450 million. The ruling in Donald J. Trump's civil fraud case could cost him all of his available cash. The judge said the former president's complete lack of contrition bordered on pathological. Complete lack of remorse is what they're saying. And you know why he has no remorse? Because... This is, this is how things are done. You produce financial statements to lend to lending companies, mortgage companies, and uh, and commercial mortgage companies. And what do they do? They review them. And if there's a question of something, so let's say he's borrowing money on uh, Trump Tower, and he puts down there that Mar a Lago is worth a uh, hundred million, hundred million dollars, or a couple of billion dollars. If that is material to that loan, they're going to send out an appraiser. Well, we're loaning on Trump Tower, but uh, we're not sure about the value, so we're gonna we're gonna cross collateralize with Mar-a-Lago. So they're gonna send an appraiser out, and of course, an appraisal on that kind of a kind of a property is probably gonna cost ten or fifteen thousand dollars. But they're gonna get an appraisal. Why? Because they have they have uh, stockholders in that bank that have to be satisfied, and they have uh, FDIC, they have all that stuff going on. They have to check. So the fact that he wrote down. That he wrote down on on his application that hey, I think I think my value my value of this property is a hundred hundred million dollars or a hundred billion dollars whatever he put on there. Um, you know some of you guys call me up to refinance and I say what's your house worth? Ah, probably about uh, half a million bucks. And then I get your appraisal back and it's worth about three oh five, and uh, you don't get arrested for that. But remember, this is setting precedences, folks. And so you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be able to to write a check for 450 million to have the government go after you. Once this become, once this uh, sets a precedent, Angeron noted that Mr. Trump had not committed violent crimes, and also conceded that Donald Trump is not a Bernie Madoff. Still, he wrote, defendants are incapable of admitting the, admitting the error of their ways. What's the error of their ways? They paid a team of financial financial guys, CPAs, to produce financial statements, and they handed them over. And from what I understand, the financial statements on the front said, "Make sure and and uh, and verify these values uh, as they t- turn them into the bank. Make sure and verify these values uh, for your own uh, for your own uh, satisfaction." Some additional facts on the ruling: Trump can appeal the financial penalty penalty, but until appeal is filed, the penalties still hold. He must put up the full amount before he can mount, a, mount an appeal. He only has 30 days to come up with it. How would he do that? Here's how Trump's net worth looks. Now, this says, according to Forbes, he's worth 2.6 billion, although he says he's worth 10 billion. So, uh, this is this is obviously, and of course, according to the numbers that we've heard, you know, they're putting an 18 million dollar value on on uh, Mar-a-Lago, and uh, and of course, there's. There's a, a lot with no buildings on it that sold for over a 100 million uh, in the same area. so uh, that borders on the water in Florida. So uh, who knows where, where these numbers are. But New York City real estate owned by Trump, which is uh, I'll just give you some quick numbers. social so New York City real estate's worth 600 690 million or 690 million dollars in equity. Uh, other other real estate assets: 190 million. Golf clubs and resorts: 870 million. Cash and personal personal assets: 640 million. And then his social media business apparently is worth 160 million bucks. That's Truth Social, which I understand is about to go public, and he's going to make about a gazillion dollars uh, once that goes goes public. New York City real estate owned by Trump Organization includes the iconic Trump Tower. Which is over by uh, Central Park, Trump Park Avenue, 1290 Avenue of the Americas, which is Sixth Street, 40 Wall Street, and the Trump National Golf Club in Westchester, and the Seven Springs, which is also in Westchester, which is a big, uh, big chunk of land with a bunch of mansions on it, and uh, the, the, that the kids want to continue to develop. New York Attorney General Letitia James has said if Trump does not put up the total amount in 30 days, she will go after his New York City real estate, she even has the first property picked out.
3: If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court. And we will ask the judge to seize his assets. We are prepared to make sure that the judgment is paid to New Yorkers. And yes, I look at 40 Wall Street each and every day.
1: Yeah, if you look at 40 Wall Street, it used to be a big... Uh Bank building, I think it was a Chase building. Um, It looks, it looks almost like the Empire State Building, which Trump owned at one time. Legal expert John Yu speculated that rather than selling properties, Trump may put together a pool of lenders, get the funds that way. Here is, uh, here he is with Neil Cavuto.
4: I fully expect that what the Attorney General said is not going to matter in the end, because she's only talking about what would happen what happens like Trump were to run for it and try to go down to Florida and say, come get me. So what really happens is Trump can either pay the damages now to the state, as you said, $350 million, uh, and then there's, I think, another $100 million of interest on top of that, or he can appeal. But to appeal, he has to post a bond in the amount of the damages. It's a compromise in the law to make sure that he has the right to appeal, but that should he lose on appeal, the other side gets the money that they were originally due. Now, the problem, as you said, Niels, where's Trump going to come up with that kind of money? Now, most people don't go ahead and just deposit $350 million when they lose a case. They go get a bond. They get a loan. Uh, they get a bank to send a letter saying that they're good for the cash, good for the amount. And I think that's what Trump's going to have to do here. He's going to have to put together... A consortium of lenders, or some of his own money, and then that will be what stands behind his appeal. But he will certainly appeal this case. Once he appeals, the attorney general's not to try, not allowed to try to seize anything.
1: So, Letitia James and uh, and Eng Moron think this is going to bust uh, bust Trump and not give him any cash to to uh, to uh, continue his businesses or any of that. And uh, remember what John you said. He says he'll post a bond. So think about this: When you get a bail bond, so your son gets arrested and his in uh, his, uh, they say, "Hey, fifty thousand dollars in bail." So he calls mom and says, "Mom, I got, I got, I'm in jail. Can you bail me out?" So she calls a bail bondsman, and the bail bondsman says, "Okay, what do you have to put up?" So he basically files a lien against their house for fifty thousand dollars. And you pay him ten percent of that, so you pay him five thousand dollars, and they put up the fifty thousand dollar bond uh, to the to the court that says, hey, if he doesn't show up to court, then then the uh, bail bondsman is out, the bail bonds company is out their fifty thousand bucks. So, and if the bail bondsman's out fifty thousand bucks, he's gonna force he's gonna force a foreclosure on your house. So you either uh, sell your house or you refinance it to pay them off. So let's just move this up to $450 million. So he's gonna have to come up if he gets a bond, he'll have to come up with $45 million, not $450 million, and and uh the bonding company will put liens on his properties. Now remember his his properties, according to what I just told you, according to Forbes, you know, he's got New York State real estate assets of six hundred and ninety million. So will that be enough to get four hundred and fifty million? Probably not. But he could put up his, uh, his 690 plus his other real estate assets, which is another 190, or his golf clubs and resorts, uh, the golf clubs and resorts worth 870 870 million, they'd put a $450 million uh, lien on that. And they'll either put up the bond, or they'll put up, or they'll pu- actually put up the money if he goes to banks. and And I would imagine one bank wouldn't put up that much money, but he might go to Deutsche Bank and Chase and all these banks that that know who Donald Trump is, and they're not worried about getting repaid back. They'll say, "Hey, this is going to be resolved in a couple of years. We'll have have the company write uh, interest checks, and uh, and then when uh, when the things when the things settled." They'll pull it off, and we'll get our money back, and uh, we will get all the profit on uh, in the meantime. So that's how that's how Trump is gonna take care of this, and it won't affect him one little bit. And it's as, as I understand it, once he files the appeal, he can continue running his company, and Eric and and Donnie Jr. can continue running the the, the companies, and uh, until the appeal goes through, which will happen will happen probably it'll probably take. Uh, a year or, or maybe longer to get that through and no court in the world is going to back up this award from the for the state of uh, New York when there's no damages in it. Even if they have to appeal it to uh, the Supreme Court of New York and then they have to go to the Supreme Court of the United States Trump will win. They're just trying to stop him from being able to run. Hey, i got lots more to say about this but I'm out of time for the first half so stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports and commercials and I'll be right back with the rest of this subject, and lots more. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, but uh, that's what I do for the other uh, six days and, uh, and 23 hours a week, uh, except for when my wife says, enough, enough, take me out to dinner. Uh, or it's time to go to sleep. So, uh, But if you're interested in, in uh, getting some information on real estate or financing, you need some help, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, Call me at 855 640 2020. That's 855 640 2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll uh, get you some information to help you if you're thinking about refinancing to pay off some debts. If you're thinking about uh, buying another piece of property you don't already own, or if you're thinking about uh, checking out that reverse mortgage thing to bridge the gap between uh, how many years you got left and how much money you got left in your life, uh, just call me, 855 640 2020. Or edhoffman.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo. So before the uh, in the first half before we uh, went to break, I was talking about the uh, the Trump ridiculous civil trial where uh, Letitia James is going to make sure we get four hundred fifty million dollars out of Trump to repay the people of New York. Really? Well, there's twenty one million people in New York, so if they just split it among everybody, they all get about twenty one dollars and sixty seven cents. Um, Otherwise, I wonder where that money would go, if he actually if he actually paid it, and uh, and 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 the higher courts backed up the the uh, the the verdict. If they backed it up and said, "Hey, you know what? He did defraud somebody." And if he and if they did hold it up, watch yourselves, watch yourselves, uh, because anything anything you do could be could put you in jail. Or wipe you out financially because the, that's going to be a precedent that says the government has the right to just take all your stuff. Oh, is that what they call communism? Yep, that's the that's the country we're becoming, folks. That is the country. So, uh, uh, in a town hall on Tuesday, Laura Ingram asked Trump about his plans. He declined to say whether he would sell his real estate, but had plenty more to say.
5: Almost half a billion dollars plus interest that r- runs every day. When I first read this, like $87,000 a day. How will you put up that kind of money because you have a bond to put up? Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's-
3: It is a form of uh, communism or fascism. Uh, the guy's a nut job. I've known this for a long time and I've said it openly. Uh, No jury, no anything. Uh, Letitia James is horrible attorney general in New York, campaigned on I will get Trump, I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything. And he fined me $355 million plus interest on other things, 355. And what we did, in fact, my my financial statements were conservative. Everybody made money. There was no victim. The bank gets up and says, we love this guy. I mean, they- they You paid back the loans. 100%. No defaults, no anything. The bank asked me to, you know, banks lend money. That's how they make money. They asked me, would I borrow some money? They asked me. I didn't need the money. I had a lot of cash. And what happens is this guy ruled that I was guilty before the trial started. He didn't even know anything about it. He ruled that a house in Florida called Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million when it's worth from 50 to 100 times that. Would you give up one of your properties to well, settle it, it this? Up? look, we have, you know, I wrote this up because it was so, it was so great. I just looked at it. People call up, all of your friends, the lawyers call up. They say it's the most egregious punishment anybody's ever seen. Tim Scott knows that. He sees it. The Eighth Amendment. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. That's the Eighth Amendment. Excessive fines.
1: Yeah, think about that. We all know. Hey, you're not allowed to have cruel and unusual punishment, and this is cruel and unusual punishment, and you can't have excessive bail. Excessive bail. How how do they how do they come up with 355 million with the, when there was no damages? This is this is this is clearly. A violation of the eighth amendment. And this will stand up by the time, however many courts it goes to, they're just, they're just going to try and run in broke on legal fees. And just imagine what happens to you guys. If they assess a, if they assess a penalty to you, and maybe it's 10,000 and maybe it's 50,000, or maybe it's a hundred thousand on something that you did just because they want to, well, I didn't cause anybody to lose a hundred thousand dollars. Why do I have to pay a hundred thousand dollars? Cause they want to. You know you you uh you can't you uh you helped a uh, campaign you knocked doors for for a Republican candidate so the Democrats of California want to come after you. This is a scary state to live in cuz New York is setting precedents and if this doesn't if this doesn't come out in the wash if this doesn't get washed away which I'm sure it will um it's it's clearly going to set up a dangerous place. If you've heard if you've heard uh uh, Kevin O'Leary, the Mister Wonderful from the Shark Tank, uh, being interviewed several times on Fox. He says, "Hey, I I can speak for me, and I think he's a billionaire as well." Um, he says, "I would just won't, I just won't even consider any investments in New York now." You know, remember remember when uh, Amazon wanted to bring their corporate offices to uh, to uh, New York City upstate you know, uh, in wherever AOC's district is, kind of up near Harlem or Harlem or uh, or the Bronx, the Bronx by where the, the Yankee Stadium is. So, uh, and she goes, well, we're going to give them $15 million in, uh, in tax breaks. And so we, sh- we could use that money to fix the subways. We could use that money for this. You don't have the money until they get there and start doing all that business and paying all those taxes. We're just going to give them a discount. And AOC just chased them right out of her district, and and killed the people of uh, of uh, of the Bronx. Their ha- their their property ta- their property values would have gone skyrocketing. There are tons of jobs that would have done great things, and Letitia James is doing that to the whole state. So uh, ABC News calculated Trump will accrue more than eighty seven thousand dollars in interest per day unless he deposits the full amount in. Of the fine into escrow count laura ingram pressed him on that and his plans for doing that
5: i thought about a lot last night because it's yeah. such a huge amount of money you have to decide whether you're going to put up that bond and escrow I do. to to appeal are you going to do that i'll, where are I'll you tell get you what money? we're
3: going to do number one we'll have a lot of cash but that doesn't mean he can take it i mean you know what he did i think he looked at my cash and he said well we'll take all of his cash this is all coming out of the White House. This is all, everything that you see, whether it's that one or the DA. You know in the DA's office, this? in Bragg's office, he has his top people from the DOJ working in the district attorney's office in New York. Nobody knows that. Everything is coming out. This is all election interference. They're trying to damage me so they can win another election. They wanna do you ever a different just you ever just say to yourself, you know, I'm done.
5: I this this is what they, why? Can. A lot of people would have said, I'm going to come out.
3: Why are you staying in this? I can't because I want to make America great again. It's not great right now. And we can do that. We can do that.
1: Yep. Clear, clearly this guy has, has uh, he has the ability to live the most luxurious life that anybody, the, that anybody could. And why does he want to do this? Because he's, he's, uh, he's got a calling. He's got a calling to make a difference and make his make his life meaningful to the to all the people of this country, and uh, God bless him for that. And I know some of you guys. Well, I just I just don't like Trump. I know a couple couple of my neighbors that are retired military people. They just don't like Trump. You know, when we talked early early in the early in the thing, and said, well, I just have to I have to like my president. So I like. Nikki Haley, or I like DeSantis, or I like this guy, or I like that guy. Guy and I was walking around the block the other day with my dog, and and I was standing there talking to him, and and I go, and I go, well, you know what? I know you don't like Trump, but that's gonna be your choice. And uh, and you know it's, I don't like I don't like everything he does either, but I sure love the way he runs our country, and I sure love the way, I sure love the way I feel about our country when when he talks strength and honors our military, and protects our borders. And, you know, I can tell you the feeling I got when we were in uh, Bullhead City Airport a week before the 2020 election, and you see that that big Air Force One come out of the sky and land in that little airport, and see him come out of there. It's just, that's how you wanna feel about our country and about our president. And I don't think anybody, even the Democrats, feel that way about Biden. So speaking of what's wrong with this country, Biden is reportedly considering doing something about the border besides passing the buck to Congress. From Politico on Wednesday, according to three people familiar with the plans who were granted anonymity to discuss private deliberations, the Biden administration is considering a string of new executive actions and federal regulations in an effort to curb migration at the southern border. Really? Good timing. Maybe you should have thought about that three and a half years ago. Among the ideas under discussion include using a section of the Immigration and Nationality Act to bar migrants from seeking asylum in between U.S. ports of entry. The administration is also discussing tying that directive to a trigger, now meaning that would only come into effect after a certain number of illegal crossings took place. Remember the trigger mechanism that was part of the Senate bill that tanked two weeks ago? And, uh, and Biden repeatedly said it would have given him authority to shut down the border... Uh, remember that trigger. It's like, hey, after uh, five thousand people a day, then it triggers these. It triggers these. Uh, these new rules, or was it at the eighty five hundred Eighty five hundred people a day, uh, then it becomes mandatory. Or the 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 president can also turn this thing off. Or if the thing goes over the eighty five hundred or over the five thousand, then uh, if the thing drop, if if the migration drops. To 75% of that, then they can turn everything back on. You know, there's like like six different rules that contradict each other in, in that Senate bill. And of course, uh, funny how he suddenly realized that he has the power as the President of the United States. He doesn't need that bill. Back to the article. The administration is also discussing ways to make it harder for migrants to pass the initial screening for asylum seekers essentially raising the credible fear standard.
0: You can go to New York City tonight, but you only get to go if we can establish a credible fear. Fear? Mm -hmm. Fear. 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 From what? Well, that's the best part. It doesn't really matter what you're afraid of. It's all the same to Uncle Sam, okay? So I'm gonna ask you one question, Victor, and it's a simple question, and if you give me the correct answer, I can get you out of this airport tonight.
3: So, I answer one question. Mm -hmm. Go to New York City Uh tonight. 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 Uh, uh. Okay. 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 All right.
1: Do you, at this time, have any fear of returning Uh, to your own country? uh, No. See, if he would have just said, yes, that's enough. That's enough in this country. Hey, do you have a credible fear? Yes. Okay. No questions asked. He's also considering a, a way to quickly deport others who don't meet the elevated asylum standards. The policy announcements could come as soon as next week ahead of the State of the Union it's ahead of his State of the Union speech on march seventh. Kinda makes you wonder how Biden is going to explain all of this in the State of the Union. Uh sorry, America, I just realized I had the power to do these things all along. But you know, I'm the most experienced person, the most qualified to be the president of the United States because I've been in been in government for uh, sixty years, and uh, I'm the smartest guy on I'm the smartest guy in the room. But I didn't realize for the last three and a half years that I had the power to to do this all along. And of course, then he's going to have to say, "Well, I didn't realize that if I just canceled all Trump's all Trump's uh, stuff that he did, the Remain in Mexico policy." And, you know, all the current laws that we have, uh, we wouldn't have this problem in the first place. Back to the article. The slate of policies could allow the administration officials to fill, fill some of the void left after congressional Republicans killed a bipartisan border deal in the Senate. But it would also open up administration to criticism that it always had, had the tools at, the, at its disposal to more fully address the migrant crisis. But they waited to use them. Uh wait, we want to get all these uh these undocumented democrats across the border, but we'll wait until that backfires on us and then just before the election we'll we'll say, "Hey, we got to stop this and look at what I'm doing to stop it." Well, Americans have a have a short memory and they and they have to remember, "Hey, you didn't have this problem until you created it." Back to the article. The consideration of a new executive action comes as White House turns turns the border deal failure into a political advantage for the president. It also came amid growing concern that Democrats have that the southern border presents a profound election liability for the for the party. You think? So does uh. So does uh, his uh filling his uh his cabinet with incompetent people that are just diverse. You know, like his Secretary of Treasury, I'm, and I'm thinking about this because we had the one-year anniversary of the Palestine-Ohio uh, train wreck, where uh, if you watch TV, you saw all the channels interviewing people from Palestine-Ohio that said that, hey, they can't live in their house. And if, if you go to their house in Palestine, you know, it's a few minutes before your eyes are burning and your throat is hurting. And uh, then Biden went over there and said, well, we're not going to leave until we get Norfolk Southern to, to clean all this stuff up. Hey, why don't you take a couple of billion dollars, instead of giving it to Ukraine, why don't you clean it up and then go after Norfolk Southern? Oh, but that would be logical. And we don't have logical. We don't have logically thinking in this administration. Officials hope that policy announcements will drive down numbers of migrants coming into the border and demonstrate to voters that they're exhausting all options to try and solve the problem as peak migration season quickly approaches. Well, here's a question about exhausting all option. Where is the Remain of Mexico policy? If Biden is supposedly considering all options, why isn't that one of them? I think we all know the answer. As we've been covering here, the fastest growing migration is coming from China. CBP numbers show 452 Chinese migrants were encountered in San Diego just last weekend from Thursday to Monday. And uh, they interviewed some of them, and uh, and they said, "Well, how did you get here from China? Uh, we flew into T- Tijuana Airport, and then from there, we just walked across. Really? So it's known across the world. You want to get into America? Just get to Mexico and walk across." This week, Fox, and you know, Mexico should have some some uh, some rules about getting into their country, but they know people aren't coming to their country. They're coming to their country to just walk into the United States. If we had remain in Mexico policy, then the Mexican uh, government would say, "Hey, wait, 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 wait. We're gonna we're gonna start enforcing the people coming into our country too, because they come into our country and they stay in our country." This week. Fox reporters were at a migrant camp, not, not a border crossing, but a camp in the town of Hakumba, San Diego, in San Diego County, where NGO groups have set up tents and food for migrants. Remember, we keep hearing that Chinese migrants are coming here as political dissidents. That's not what they're telling reporters.
4: Why did you come? Um, take money. Money? Yes. For job? Yes. There's
1: no job in China. Um, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Were there jobs in China? I don't know. I'm coming here. Uh, well, you know, this is what the what the people told us to say when we come here. Congressman Darrell Issa, who represents several border towns in the 48th District, says keeping remain in Mexico could have prevented all this.
6: We absolutely could turn back these Chinese here mm-hmm. based on the fact that they had already arrived in Mexico. Mexico wrongfully allowed them in. And then Mexico's allowing them in because they know they're not going to stay in Mexico. Again, under President Trump, remain in Mexico was a policy that would have prevented this. These people would never have come here under the previous administration. Not a change in law, a change in policies by this administration and that's what our, our speaker is pushing back on with President Biden. He's saying, go back to the policies. We're happy to give you new laws, but we're not gonna give you laws mm. when in fact you don't enforce them and your policies are encouraging what we're having, which is an invasion from a great many countries. One of the people that I interviewed came from Colombia. He said he is a communist leader, but things are bad there, so he's coming here to join his family. Uh, In agriculture. That's certainly the kind of thing that this president should be stopping instead of his policies making happen in my district.
1: Yeah, I also explain what happens once these migrants are released into the country without an asylum claim or work visa. Well, this is exactly a problem. By not pushing them back and keeping them in Mexico, people from
6: Syria and other countries of that sort absolutely cannot be vetted, and yet they're being released. We've talked to the border patrol. I had a briefing earlier this morning. The border patrol is releasing these people, even if they're not asking based on credible fear. So one of the things that's that's really killing us is when people say they're just coming in for a job uh, illegally, they're still being let loose and they won't be given a date anywhere close to 10 years from now. So realistically, what they have is a 10 year get out of out of visa free. And that's the policy of this president. It's brought us in over 8 million additional people without vetting in most, if
1: not all cases and without any chance of removing them under this administration. Yeah, so what does Trump have to say about this? Here's what he told Laura Ingram on Tuesday.
4: Just in three
5: days, 452 Chinese nationals have been apprehended by Border Patrol. And Mr. President, 20,000 Chinese have entered since October. Yep. Okay, this is, does this
3: concern you more than other immigrant groups? Uh, probably it would because it's China, and maybe, what are they, building a, an army in between? It was 29,000 people in the last, think of it, 29,000 people, and most of those people were young, male, fighting age, okay? All Biden had to do is stay at the beach, you know, he goes to the beach. If he went to the beach and didn't do it, but he canceled everything, remain in Mexico, catch and release. We have catch and release, but we had release in Mexico. Why were you against the House, um,
5: against the Senate border deal, the bipartisan border? Well, they-
3: allow 5,000 people a week, but a lot of people took it a as 5,000 people a day. They said 5,000 people a week and you read it and it says 5,000 people a day. Number one, that, but it also made it, it made it much better for the opposing side. Regularize, the,
5: manage the crisis. It, it you couldn't fall. manage
3: it. It was so complex. You're talking about, first of all, if you want to close the border, your president. I didn't have any legislation.
1: And neither, and he didn't need any additional legislation to, to uh, stop, to close the border, and either does Joe Biden. But you know what? The Democrats are saying, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, we're just, we're just being uh, uh, racist and homophobes and xenophobes and, and uh, every other phobe, and we don't want to let people in, and they, they deserve to have a nice life. As we all know, taking in migrants who just want to work hasn't worked out too well for New York City, and yet the city continues to amp up handouts. From the New York Post, Mayor Eric Adams' administration will start, soon start handing out prepaid credit cards to migrant families being put in the Big Apple hotels. The Post has learned $53 million pilot program run by the New Jersey company Mobility Capital Finance, which I'm sure is giving kickbacks to, uh, to uh, poli- uh, pol- politicians who got them in on it, will provide asylum seekers arriving at the Roosevelt Hotel with city cash to help them buy food, according to the city records. It'll start with a group of 500 migrant families in short-term hotel stays and will replace the current food service offered offered there, according to City Hall. The cards can only be used at bodegas, grocery stores, supermarkets, and convenience stores, and migrants must sign an affidavit swearing they will only spend the funds on food and baby supplies or they'll be kicked out of the program. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. I promise. I promise. I'm signing an affidavit. I promise, and of course, these little store owners that uh, that want to make a profit, they're going to tell on these people. Hey, I got to follow the rules rather than letting them buy booze with it, which is a big markup item, and uh, and making money, you know, for these people that that live in these little stores to, to sell these stuff. They live in there because it's the only way they make money because otherwise they'd be uh, have their employees steal things out of there. Uh, so they have to live there for, you know, 12 hours a day and uh, to make money. And they, sure, they're going to turn people away. The immediate response cards uh, initiative appears akin to the state's food stamp program, SNAP, which provides lower-income New Yorkers with a credit card to cover the cost of meals and will provide funds based on the same scale. The amount of each card will vary depending on the size of the family and whether any income is coming in. According to the details of the contract, a family of four, for instance, could be provided with nearly $1,000 each month. Or in, a, or let me correct that, $1,000 every four weeks, so that's 13 months a year, which comes out to $35 per, per day for food. Cards will be, get refilled every 28 days. If the program is a success, the city will expand it to all migrant families staying in hotels, which is roughly $15,000. So this is intended to replace the way the city was feeding migrants previously. Back to the article, the city has been shelling out about eleven dollars per meal to feed migrant families in hotels. Something that's long posed a problem as asylum seekers from various countries in Central and South America, Africa, and Europe may be looking for a for a taste of home. Well, I say, hey, if it's a, if you're looking for a taste of home, why didn't you stay home? Last month, the controversial company. Dot Go was found to be wasting thousands of dollars on uneaten meals. Migrants confessed to the post in the days after that that they would rather cook meals in their hotel rooms because provided meals were bad. Well, you know, beggars can't be choosy. So I wonder if if we'll be doing anything like that in California. Our governor certainly likes to throw money at the problems, and so do our sanctuary sanctuary city mayors, and we Californians just just don't mind paying all these taxes. To cover all to make sure these migrants have have their taste of home, and you know can live for free and come into our country and uh, just sponge off us, uh, or maybe not. We'll see. But you know, California people are about the dumbest voters in the in the whole country. But anyway, I got lots more to say, but I got no more time left. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you
4: next week.